Hello, I'm Andrew Oxlade and welcome to the Fidelity Personal Investor Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about the autumn statement that's coming up on the 22nd of November, covering everything from ISAs to income tax to fuel duty. So please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. So hello and welcome to the show. Um, as we're moving closer to December, we are rapidly approaching one of the most eagerly awaited money days of the year. No, not Black Friday. This is the autumn statement. So on the 22nd of November, the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt will stand up and deliver his outlook for the economy. And possibly there could be a few giveaways given that we have an election probably coming up next year. So who better to help us understand all of the above um, than Tom Stevenson, investment director and general money guru at uh, Fidelity Personal Investing. So, Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What we're going to do, I thought, is 15 quick fire questions. Okay. And see if you can keep up. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Or see how many we can get through. We've got 15 minutes. I've already wasted a minute here. So um, so we'll, we'll jump straight in and see if we can do it all in 15 minutes. So question one. Um, will income tax be cut or will they do anything with the thresholds, do you think? Uh, OK, short answer, no, I don't think uh, income tax will be cut. Uh, I mean, there is talk of a £13 billion uh, pound, uh, headroom, um, but the Prime Minister has uh, indicated that he doesn't want any uh, income tax cuts. The Chancellor, I think, is facing calls from his backbenchers to, to do that ahead of the uh, election. Allowances uh, are frozen until 2028 uh, um, and with incomes rising at more than 7% at the moment, obviously that's dragging a lot of people into uh, into higher um, bands. Uh, I think something like 66% of adults now pay income tax. That's the highest since 2007-8. In the higher rate income tax? Uh, no, paying income tax. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, but I, but it is the highest rate because people are being dragged in because the the allowances, the 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 personal allowance, and also the threshold for higher rate tax are frozen for another well another five years. More of us are paying tax, and more of it. Basically. Exactly, but is it there's pressure though still? I know this is not part, going out of the quick fire questions already, Tom. But there's a little bit of pressure, isn't there, from the right of the party to. To, to, to do something. Yeah, inevitably. I mean, you know, the polls are telling us that there's going to be a change of government. The government is going to want to do something. There's probably only six, seven months until the next election. That's where the pressure comes from. Fab. Question two. Will the ISA threshold be increased? Um, again, uh, I think that's unlikely. Uh, it was last raised in uh, 2017 to £20,000. I think what you need to... Uh, uh, understand about that is that only about 15% of subscriptions to ISAs actually use the full 20k uh, limit. So there's not a lot of benefit in, in, in raising it. There, there has been talk about um, possibly raising it to 25k. Uh, um, it, it would need to go up to that sort of level to keep pace with inflation. But given that most people don't use their 20k, I don't think there's any need to raise it. How else could ISAs change? There's been a lot of speculation around this. So even though the limit may remain the same, there could, for the core of an ISA, what, what else could, could be different? Well, I think the main thing about ISAs is they're pretty complicated. There are lots of different types of ISAs. There's an innovative uh, ISA, which is essentially uh, around peer-to-peer -peer lending, which has not really had very good uh, take-up. 
Um, uh, there's, of course, the, the, the lifetime ISA, there's cash ISAs, there's stocks and shares ISAs. It's quite a confusing uh, landscape. There's also uh, the, the issue about not being able to take out an ISA with, with more than one um, provider in any given um, tax year. So that's, that's, that's a complication which possibly may be, um, may be done away with um, this year. So I think what we're looking at probably is not wholesale changes. I think we probably won't lose any of the ISIS that we've already got, but I think there is an argument for some simplification. And the Great British ISA that's been mentioned, is that yeah, so there is, so there has been talk of that to encourage people to uh, invest in British uh, companies, and and therefore by extension to encourage more British companies to list on the on the UK uh, stock market. Instinctively, I don't think it should be the government's role to tell people where they should be investing. I think there is a danger that it encourages people to have more of a home bias in their investments than maybe uh, is um, healthy. Um, so uh, I think uh, I think it's quite unlikely that we will see that Great British ISA. Um, another acronym, LISAs. So this is lifetime ISAs, which has been um, targeted at, at, at younger people, younger voters, maybe. Um, any change with that? I mean, and briefly, if you can just explain what the LISA is. Yeah, so the the, the lifetime uh, ISA is uh, is a mechanism uh, essentially for saving to buy uh, a first. Um, home. That's one use of the lifetime ISA. If you don't use it to buy your first uh, property, uh, then you are locked in and you can only use it as a, as a type of pension saving. Um, uh, again, I think there are, uh, there are needs, there is a need for some reform to, to the lifetime ISA. There are, couple, there are a couple of issues which, which are a problem. Um, one is that um, uh, the, the government chips in 25% of, of whatever you save. So there's a maximum of £4,000 that you can save. If you save £4,000 in your ISA, the government will chip in £1,000. Um, if, you, um, if, you uh, uh, you, if you don't use it to, to buy a home and you want to withdraw your money from the lifetime ISA, then there is a penalty. And the penalty is actually more severe than just the money that you've put in. The penalty is 25% of the total, which effectively means that 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 you are you are handing back more than the government has handed you in terms of a a, a, a freebie uh, essentially. So I think that there is an argument for cutting that penalty from 25% to 20%, which effectively would then be the government simply clawing back what they've what they've given you. Um, the second problem with the lifetime ISA is that there is a limit on the amount that can be used for a house purchase, which is currently £450,000, which in a lot of parts of the country is, is, is plenty for a first time purchase. It's been argued that in London it's not enough and it hasn't kept pace um, with inflation. So I think there are two things that could happen. One is that there could be an adjustment to the penalty. And the second thing is that there could be uh, a, 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 an increase in the um in the maximum amount that can be used to, to purchase a property. Let's stick with ISAs. And this is the Personal Investor Podcast, after all. So um, um, so much to talk about with ISAs. But there, there was also a little bit of speculation around um, inheritance tax. And the only reason I, I mention ISAs is because that's something that has been mooted as well, of whether a inheritance tax could be scrapped altogether. There was a mention of that in the news uh, a while ago, but it's gone very quiet on that front. And B, whether... Um, ISIS could be made inheritance tax exempt. 
Yes, and um, you know there is there, again. There's a strong argument for re- reforming the inheritance uh, tax rules. It's pretty much a hated uh, tax for, for for obvious reasons. No one, no one wants to be uh, paying uh, extra tax at that difficult time in in their lives after after a loss. The reality is, though, that only a relatively small number of people pay uh, inheritance tax. It's something like four percent. Uh, it's probably going to rise to maybe seven percent of uh, of of households over over the next uh, ten uh, years. But there are lots of countries that don't have inheritance tax. I think I think New Zealand doesn't have one. Well, I think there are lots of countries that actually don't have uh, inheritance tax. The government actually raises more from CGT from capital gains tax than it does from inheritance tax. But ahead of an election. Uh, I think this is a possible white rabbit that we that we might see. It may not be that the inheritance tax is scrapped, but it may be that the the rate at which you pay inheritance tax, which is currently forty uh, percent um, uh, above the exemption, and it is quite a generous exemption actually. Once you've factored in the the exemptions that relate specifically to property, um, it's, again, it's quite a complicated um, landscape. Uh, but they may reduce the rate. Um, they may simplify it by by simply rolling the property element into uh, an overall um, uh, an overall allowance. Um, so I think there are things that can do which wouldn't necessarily cost a huge amount of money, but would be electorally uh, very popular. Pensions. Do you think they will change the allowance? We're on question six now, by the way, just so you're aware, Tom. So we, we, we may need to I'm catch up a little up. bit of time here, but that's probably my fault. Um, <laughs> So question six, pension allowances. Do you think there'll be any more tinkering? It's been a popular one in the past. Yeah, I, I think the thing is that there have been a lot of changes uh, to pensions allowances. There were a lot of changes in the budget um, uh, this year. So I think the short answer to that one uh, is uh, no. Uh, I think there may be a delay because some of the pensions uh, changes that were uh, announced, in particular changes to the lifetime allowance, um, uh, have not yet been uh, signed into law and time is running out for them to be signed into law by, by next April. So it may, be, um, uh, it, it may be that that needs to be uh, delayed a bit. But no, I think, I think there's been enough tinkering. And, uh, and as a general point, I think that um, the government tinkers too much with, with, with pensions mm. and that actually it, it creates uh, a resistance to people to save into their pensions because it changes, because they're, they're unsure of, of, of where they stand. So I think a bit of stability would be a good thing. And the appeal of personal pensions, of course, is so much better now, isn't it? That, those recent changes where they raised it from 40,000 40, to 60,000. Correct, yep. Removal of the lifetime allowance. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it just changes that whole picture. But what about... Um, the triple lock on state pensions is that that's also being very much in the news any change there yes so 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 this is the this is the mechanism whereby um state pensions are raised um by the highest of um earnings growth or prices growth or two and a half percent um uh, in many years two and a half percent was was the highest um uh, now it's been left well behind by uh, by price growth and and indeed by by earnings growth. So what we're seeing is the state pension rising um, 
pretty fast. I think it was 10% last year, this year. I think it might be another eight point something. Um, so it's very expensive. Um, it's it's um, been estimated that it's going to cost the government £45 billion a year extra by 2050. Uh, so and also it's a generational issue. I mean, I think that, you know, younger people especially look at look at these uh, increases and, and think that older people are, you know, getting too much again for, for good electoral uh, reasons. So I think uh, scrapping the triple lock is politically uh, dangerous because many of the beneficiaries are people that, that vote and also people that probably vote for for the current government. So I think it's uh, extremely unlikely that the triple lot will be meddled with. It's bizarre, isn't it, thinking now the two and a half percent when it you know so whenever this was was invented sort of 15 years ago I think I can't yeah. quite remember but you know inflation then the problem was it was low and if not deflation and therefore they they invented this thing yeah. and now it I just mean, seems the, so the 2.5% is completely irrelevant now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so on that note on the economy do you expect any announcements around that or, or what what do you think we'll find out about the economy i mean i think we're you know it, there's always an update yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's always an the economic update i think what it's going to tell us is that uh we are looking at uh weak growth um uh you know we are there's been talk in, in recent days about a recession um, forecast, uh, so two two quarters of, of uh, declining growth, either in the third and fourth quarters of this year or the fourth quarter and the first quarter uh, of um, next year. Um, uh, inflation is, uh, we're going to hear about inflation. Inflation is certainly falling, but it's falling um, uh, more slowly here in the UK than it is in, in other uh, countries. I think we'll hear about the employment market. Unemployment is forecast to peak at about 5% uh, in the second quarter of next year. So I think the general story uh, is is one of um, uh, weak growth. But if there is going to be a recession, it will probably be a very mild one. Um, neatly brings us along to the question around interest rates as well. Next question. So so do, do, do you think there'll be anything from the autumn statement? I'm very mindful here of what happened last year, which I don't think anybody can forget around the Liz Truss yeah. um, um, the emergency budget they had there, where, where, of course, interest rates absolutely soared afterwards. I presume we won't see that this time. Well, I think the government uh, has learnt its lesson from what happened last year. Um, uh, you know, uh, lots of unfunded um, tax cuts, uh, caused uh, a, a big wobble in, in in the markets, and the Bank of England was forced to step in uh, to to, to stabilise things. So I think uh, the government is going to be um, cognizant of not doing anything which spooks the markets. Question ten. So we're two thirds through. Um, will fuel fuel duty uh, be cut? Do you think? Uh, I, I think it's possible that it will be cut i think it's more likely that it will be frozen again i mean it has been it has been frozen um uh, you know for 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 many uh, years now um uh the budget extended that freeze for another 12 months uh i think it's um i think it's likely to be to be frozen again um that that it's worth 12 pence a liter um uh freezing freezing fuel duties so i think given given where the oil prices and where petrol prices are uh, at the moment um it, it it's very unlikely that they will be they will reintroduce a, a, an inflation escalation there mm. i think it will be frozen again i mean it's a great gimmick for them isn't it i mean this has been sort of 13 years of every year yeah. 
cancelling yeah. <laughs> the uh, the escalator yeah. basically that that sort of never escalated. Never actually happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there bits of the stock market you think that will be particularly affected by any measures in the autumn statement? This is very crystal ball, but I just wondered your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to predict what's going to happen. I mean, some of the some of the sectors are obvious. Um, you know, the the oil and oil and gas uh, sector is often impacted by measures which are announced in the budgets. Uh, the housing market, of course, some of the consumer sectors. If we get changes in uh, in in tax rates or or allowances, but very often, actually, um, the there are sort of hidden measures uh, which don't grab the headlines on the day of the budget. But actually, when um, uh, when you come to sort of analyse them in the sort of cold light of day in the subsequent days, you realise they, they, they can have quite big impacts on some specific uh, sectors. So we need to look out for those hidden measures. Um, there's been a lot of talk around the, the, the standing of the city, and we talked before about the, the you know, potential, this British ISA. Um, do you think there's anything else that, that that may come out of the the hat in terms of helping the city? And the one thing that strikes me is always stamp duty about whether that may be cut. It's quite a a, a British thing. Is slightly an anomaly in world markets. Is that something yeah, they might look at? So there is so there is a 0.5 percent um, stamp duty on all um, uh, stock market uh, transactions. Um, it's always been there as long as I've been uh, I- I doing this. Um, uh, I, you know, I think it, it is at the margin. It's um, uh, it's a disincentive to to invest in in individual uh, stocks and shares, and of course, it applies to um, uh, investing in investment trusts as well, um, as, as they are stock market uh, investments. Uh, again, I think it's probably not a top priority. Property. We can't do a whole thing without not without talking about property. I know we touched on it with the LISA, but is there uh, is there any measures you think that will be done to 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 sort of prop up the flagging property market? We're hearing lots about it being, you know, it's, it's potentially uh, it's been falling for a while. It has been falling for a while and potentially maybe plattering. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, again, I mean, this is quite a neat segue from the last answer because um, stamp duty again uh, is is a possible focus. I mean, we saw in the pandemic. Uh, that uh, there was a holiday um, on uh, for um, stamp duty uh, up to uh, five hundred thousand um, pounds. So it, it is it is possible that that will be um, uh, reheated. Um, I think I think the other issue um, with regard to the housing market is to do with the rental market. That there there is that, that there are more disincentives for landlords to own buy to let properties now than there were in in previous years, and 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 that is causing a problem for for the housing market and in particular the rental market. So I think that that would probably be an area of focus uh, for for the government. I mean, certainly sort of you know organisations that support landlords are calling for this at the moment, as you you would expect. But I think that's more likely than than something as sort of uh, blunt as a as a reintroduction of the stamp duty holiday just turning briefly to small businesses and the, and and the sort of almost the personal finances of the individual businessman if you like which is VAT registration now that's that's 85,000 isn't it so it's a so basically if they have revenue or money coming in of more than 85,000 they have to pay VAT and that's something that hasn't moved for a long time and and 
is potentially causing distortions in the economy. What do you think they'll do anything with that? Yeah, so this is another example of this. You know, what's called fiscal fiscal drag, where you where you freeze um, uh, uh, an allowance and uh, and, in, and inflation um, works over time to to drag more people into that into that net. And the eighty five thousand pound threshold for uh, VAT registration has been in place now for more than ten years since. 2012, I think it, it was. If if inflation had been applied over that period, the threshold would be 117,000 wow. pounds now. So <laughs> that's a big difference. I mean, mm. that would you know that's a lot of small businesses which are which are now caught by the need to register for VAT. Who who would not who would not be if it had uh, if inflation had been applied. Uh, you know, it's a big earner for the government, though. So um, again, you know, this is this is a government that that you know they may have a little bit of um, wriggle room in terms of um, um, money to to give away. Uh, I think that's quite unlikely. Final question: We got there, Tom. <laughs> um, so in thirty years of, of sort of talking about autumn statements, budgets, or uh, budgets as they were previously known for the for the most <laughs> significant decisions. What's been the most memorable one, would you say, of all the ones you've covered? Well, I mean, there've been quite a few uh, which have which have jumped out. Um, there was the famous George Osborne Omni Shambles uh, budget of 2012, which was uh, the one where he introduced VAT on some hot food, known as the pasty tax. Uh, that was uh, that was uh, unwound um, pretty quickly. Um, I think you know what one of the most important from the perspective of savers and investors was 2015 mm. when we had these pension reforms that basically allowed people to access their pensions you know famously it was thought everyone would be out buying Lamborghinis uh the reality was <laughs> rather different actually uh, the reality was that people actually were were more cautious rather than throwing caution uh to the wind so I think 2015 was an important one but you know, I don't think you can look at um, memorable budgets and and not mention. We've already mentioned it last year's um, Liz Truss uh, quasi quarting uh, budget, the forty five billion pounds worth of unfunded uh, tax cuts and the um, and the fairly catastrophic market reaction uh, to that. So I can remember watching that budget and literally my jaw. <laughs> Fell to the fell to the table. I couldn't yeah. believe what I was hearing. Yeah, it didn't feel real, did it? It didn't feel real <laughs> at all. It was bizarre. Well, a very memorable one, but hopefully one we'll forget in time. <laughs> Tom, thank you very much. I think we may have jumped over a little bit the fifteen minutes, but um, it was all very useful and informative. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, to the listeners, thank you for your time. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile 
volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.